Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a talk about uh, a Q&A talk about the raid NPC that I think is needed in the game. If you add that, it's a really, really good quality of life for the PvE guys that like to grind stuff. Kind of comparable to the Luna's Howl, the Broadsword, the Not Forgotten. Given the PvE endgame hobbyists, something really hard to grind for. Uh, you can submit questions in chat with the question command. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash rage or you can follow me on Twitter at rage to stay up to date with all of my content. And if you're listening to this right now and you're in the stream and you want to see past episodes, you can find this podcast on all those locations, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and iTunes. Just look up SNTR Presents. So, let's take the first question from PickleRig. PickleRig87 says, Would you like to see perks on gear similar to what's on the masks? I would like to see the perks on the masks with how clearly influential they are. I would like to see that in the game. As soon as you get the perk on the haunted mask that says, you know, increase in heavy drops, I mean, you clearly can see an increase in heavy drops. When I run armor with an increase in heavy drops, I, I don't notice a difference. And there's some guys that have tested stuff out on Reddit that give a lot of credence to the fact that the ammo finder perks are not really doing anything. And that's disappointing given how influential good ammo drops in PvE can be. You know, you get to the end of Callus sometimes and you remember people being like elated at seeing ammo on the ground. Um, that's a that's a that's a definite that's a definite perk that you want to see be more way more efficient. Um, we need to dial back when it's glass and blackout. Like you just somebody just keeps you just keep running forward and dying and I try to get your res and now I'm dead. Like stop anchoring your your ghost so far in. It's ghost and blackout. It's ghost and blackout. We've got a We've got to be a whole lot better than that. We just threw that ran. We just threw that run away. Stop. Pay attention to those modifiers, man. Stop running forward. When 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 closing is imminent and you just threw away, you just threw away a run because closing was imminent and you're running forward. Don't run forward when glass and blackout are on. We got to take it slow. Once the timer's down, once the timer's down, we need to go really really slow and methodical. Really really slow and methodical. Um. So I want the perks to be more clearly beneficial. Because right now, when I throw on heavy ammo finder, especially ammo finder, I don't notice a difference. It's, it's purely random. You play Haunted Forest, play it for like an hour, then put on a mask with the heavy ammo drop increase, and you'll be like, holy frick, there's there's heavy ammo all the time. Very, very noticeable. Uh, C. Rodriguez says, what do you think about Bungie improving and making Nightfall drops easier to obtain? Uh, to me, I don't like I don't like it very much, but I want to hear your opinion. No, nightfall drops don't need to be easier to obtain at all. It didn't. It didn't take me. It didn't take me uh, any time to get the warden's law curated loadout and the the horrors least curated loadout. It didn't take me that long at all. It probably it took me two and a half hours to get the horrors least. It probably took me five or six hours to get the warden's law. Unique nightfall drops and curated unique nightfall drops. That's a, that's an endgame carrot. And if you take endgame carrots and you make them too easy, you devalue them. You devalue them. The reason that you run content over and over and over again is because you're trying to get the thing to drop. Like if it's too if it's too easy to drop, then you're undercutting the very thing 
it's 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 almost contradictory, right? It's like we're gonna create end game loot pursuits with god rolls, and you know they're gonna be awesome. And then you're like, but we're gonna make them really easy to get. And you're like, wait a minute, this this is designed for that end game player that plays a lot, and you just you just totally undercut its value by making it not really an end game loot pursuit, just a, a like a minimal transaction of time. You gotta be. You always gotta be careful. What's the identity and what's the purpose of the item? If the purpose of the item is just to help the player level up, that's like a milestone, right? That's like a powerful ingram. That's like just like a normal loot drop. So making that stuff accessible is not that problematic. But when you say, "Oh, what's the purpose of this item? This item is meant to be uh, an endgame loot pursuit for players that put in the most time," and then you make it really easy to get, you've created something that has an identity crisis. It doesn't—it doesn't line up with why you've created it. Uh, you have created something for the hobbyist that isn't hobbyist in its design. It's—it's it's casual in its design. That is why Destiny 2 fell flat on its face at launch because so much of what usually scratch the itch of the hobbyist was just freaking gone and that's a large portion of destiny's player base so big fetch do you think bungie needs to look at something uh they do at the prime ingram once players hit 600 uh, yes we had a good a good suggestion yesterday someone said that once you once you hit 600 you should have the option of turning off prime ingram buff and converting it into an exotic buff now, you get a Prime Ingram buff, you're supposed to get that like once a day, because if you skip a couple days, the Prime Ingram buff kind of stays on until you get a handful of Prime Ingrams, okay? So there's a, there's a potential danger here of making it too easy to get all these coveted exotics. I think, I happen to think, a really, really good compromise would be to say, you go in and like flip a switch, you know, you, 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 you turn something on, like let's say it's a card in your inventory, and you convert it to weekly exotic buff instead of a daily prime buff. That means if you play, if you're pretty committed and you play every day throughout the week, you're going to get an exotic. It should You should get an exotic to drop. And once you get it, it that, that buff goes away. I don't want people being able to get one exotic per day. Because once they fix the drop rate to where you're getting more forsaken exotics than we're presently getting. I think that really, again, exotics are meant to be... A rare, you know, infrequent loot pursuit for folks. And if you make them too accessible, you you undercut their, their purpose and their existence. Exotics are certainly too low right now. And when you finally do get a, you finally freaking get one, getting a year one exotic is really frustrating. You know, whenever I finally beat Riven and I got Synthoseps, I mean, I wanted to pull my hair out. It was like... That throne room should have a very... That treasure room should have a high, high probability of being raid items or at least new exotics. Like, if you actually get it to pop an exotic, it should not be a year one. I, like, fundamentally disagree with year one exotics even being in the loot pool of the last room in Last Wind. What do you think, uh, from Banjo TK? what do you think the NPC... Oh, who do you think the NPC should be? Uh, one of the Techians, Queen Petra? In this case, it could be Petra. In this case, it could be Petra. If we go back to the Dreadnought and Savathun ascends to the Hive Throne and she's our raid boss, which a lot of people have theorized that that's, you know, that's what they're going to do, then then I think Eris would be perfect. Eris would be perfect. Right now, if Bungie decides to do like a quote-unquote April update or something with one of the 
and you'll pass things and they say hey you know we feel like it'd be really good to give you a reason to raid more often we've added a, a petra currency to the raid and every time you run it you get that petra currency you turn that into her you raise your rank with her she's gonna have some cool uh she's gonna have some cool emblems and shaders for you uh, to grind for uh, this season they could they could do it when the season switches over, right? I think the the season switches over uh, when you get when we get the first DLC of the of the annual pass, I think. So that would be a really really cool uh, time to do it, and that would be a sensible time to do it. So, next question comes from Shaddix. Uh, would you like to see more of this type haunted forest content more regularly and use in the future? Oh yeah, very much so. I think I think when you look at this content, you see where Bungie is headed, which is they can create rhythmic grind. It's really, really just going to keep coming back to the same thing, and I don't want to beat this horse to death, but we're going to keep coming back to the same issue. And that's loot that matters. Because right now, that is a bit of a vacancy in the game. Right? The auto rifle is cool, but it, it's it's not like, oh, it matters. Okay? Now, Black Armory could flip everything I'm saying right on its head by injecting all new perks into the game. Right? Every... Here's something they could do every season. Every season they could retool archetype, you know, archetype loot pool, uh, perk pools. Every season they could do that. So you're like, yo, this season, hand cannons can drop with this brand new perk, and it's really, really good. Like, if used properly, it's better than Rampage, something like that. You know, and that that's something they could do every season. And the reason you'd want to do that is you want you want that you want that Joker's Wild and 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 Black Armory and Penumbra to have more than just like a cosmetic drive. One of the main reasons people got so annoyed with Destiny 2 at launch is what am I supposed to grind for? Oh, well, there's different armor sets. Why do I, why? Oh, they look cool, right? That's a problem right now. So like if you keep doing Haunted Force or you bring back Faction Rally or whatever the case may be, whatever you're going to sit in the game and that has loot for us to chase, why am I chasing it? Oh, Lono, you should go for the auto right. You should go for the pulse rifle from Iron Banner. Why? It's just like the horror's least. I have a horror's least. The perk pool is identical. Uh, there's no reason for me to go for the Iron Banner pulse. Now, that doesn't mean every time they do something that there's going to be gear for me to chase, but if Faction Rally rolls up on the game or they decide to do Haunted Forest on a regular basis, you want it to have more to grind for than just archetypes of weapons that we already have and a perk pool that we already have, but at low, it looks cool. We really, really want to avoid a shallow loot incentive, and currently, if you watch my Escalation Protocol shotgun video, even if you disagree with me, that gun and the lack of perks and interesting perks or new perks is hurting is hurting that idea of there's loot worth chasing that it's not just cosmetic because that's eventually what you're going to, everybody's going to hit that point stop arguing for the hardcore player let us casuals have some fun you don't understand, eventually as a casual player, you're going to hit the same loot incentive wall that I'm hitting, just because I hit it faster than you doesn't mean that the wall doesn't exist right? 
Just because just because you're driving at 20 miles an hour doesn't mean the bridge that's out isn't going to cause major problems for you once you try to go and cross that bridge. You're like, stop arguing for fast drivers. Like, just because you got to the bridge before us doesn't mean that the bridge needs fixed. It's like, no, it does need fixed because eventually you're going to freaking get here and you're going to be like, oh, wow. The lack of perks and the lack of this and the lack of that and EP shotty and all these other things, it does hurt loot incentive. It does hurt, you know, new loot truly doesn't matter. New loot is genuinely just like, yeah, I can go grind for that hand cannon, but it can only roll with Outlaw, Rampage, and all these other perks. I already have a God Roll hand cannon. I already have a Midnight Coup, etc. So new new perks every season, uh, and when you do something like Haunted Forest and Faction Rally, that's another opportunity to put something unique in the game to say, well, yeah, you may have a God Roll hand cannon, but you ain't got a hand cannon like this, and the only way you can get this hand cannon with this particular perk set is to play during Faction Rally or to go for, you know, to go for it during Haunted Forest or whatever. Uh, Alphonse, Alphonse, Alphonse says, which exotics from D1 would you like to see make a return? I don't really care. I actually like it when they don't return. I understand that, like, Last Word's probably coming back. Thunderlord's probably coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if next year, September, uh, September of 2019 is when the galley returns. Uh, that's, that's an easy, easy prediction, I think, to make. Galley will eventually come back to the game. Um, especially as they enter the final, you know, the final countdown of D2, as they do their last DLC and last annual pass, that would be an easy time to say, well, yeah, bring, you know, bring out the, bring out the galley, you know, bring out the, bring out the galley. So I'm not, I'm not big proponent of bringing back exotics. You're never going to see me like making a video that's like, we absolutely need the thorn to come back. Like you're never going to hear me making these arguments. Uh, the only one that I didn't really care about that, you know, that came back was the Suros regime just because it's a cool gun and it coming back doesn't doesn't create really any problems in PvE or or uh, or PvP. Um, so I'm o- I'm okay with that with that gun coming back. Uh, last word coming back I know would make a lot of people happy in PvP. At least then you would have something that could really make shotgun rushers think twice. Uh, <laughs> shotgun rushers would really think twice but then of course obviously if you make it too lethal then it just becomes the wild wild west and literally everybody's running the last um, so Eugene is saying there are okay so there are limitations on some roles the horrors least cannot roll outlaw except on the curated and it can't roll rampage at all claws can roll outlaw kill clip ran, rampage so is that the is that the pulse rifle from Iron Banner? So if that's the case, if that's the case, then they need to dig down more on that. That there there should be more instances of that. There was a lot of that in D1 where you were like, "Man, I really want that hand cannon cuz it's the only one that can roll this way." Clever Dragon was that way the one time in Iron Banner. It was basically a grasp of Malak, but it could draw it could drop with high cal rounds. So having a god roll grasp was cool and all. The Clever Dragon was arguably better if you could get, like, a brace frame, you know, a high cal round version. Because high cal round was, like, meta in PV at the, PvP at the time. It was so frustrating to get shot by it. So. RT Mayday. What things from Festival of Lost would you like to see implemented and expanded into the future? Having something like this as an activity that you grind, I think, is a, is a huge step in the right direction. Uh, and again, I, as if you go back and watch my talk on it, 
I really, really called for loot to drop. Um, I really, really called for loot to drop. And the reason I called for loot to drop is with random rolls, with random rolls, you can always, you can always go in and have that excitement and that elation of, you know, oh, this, this piece of, this piece of loot just dropped and I might get the roll that I was searching for. And that's, and I think that's always a good thing. That's always a good thing when you can have that, oh, wow, she's dropping the shotgun this week or whatever the case may be. And then that gives you that pull. Like, treat it like Escalation Protocol, right? What's the drop this week in the Haunted Forest? Oh, it's this. And then the reason that's better than Escalation Protocol is that Escalation Protocol is binary. Once you get the sniper, the SMG, or the shotgun, you have no interest in running Escalation Protocol. You could get the shotgun a handful of times the week it's here and available. Ah, but you might not get the roll that you want. That means that gives the content longevity, so in the future, there's still people running Haunted Forest when the shotgun's available because there's people in the mix that didn't get the god roll or the curated roll or whatever so god rolls gives content like this way more legs and longevity if properly handled and implemented and you rotate it because it's not so binary you know ep you know escalation protocol as an activity just eventually is going to lose that draw on that luster because eventually you hit a a saturation rate in the community and you hit it a whole lot faster because it's literally just a matter of getting it to drop it's not a matter of needing to go for the better role you just you, you just go until you get it and then as soon as you get it you're done your incentive to go and do it just plummets once you get it uh, the Mad Dabber. What do you think they will do with Faction Rally? I've had some input on how they should do Faction Rally. I don't know if I did that as a, as a whole video. Maybe I did. Maybe I need to do that. The way they need to bring back Faction Rally, there's a two there's a twofold thing they need to do. Okay? Factions need to be in the... I think I did a video on this. Factions need to be in the tower all the time. And they should be always grindable for their cosmetics. They're their sparrow, their ghost, their shaders, etc. And maybe even they always have bounties that help you with that. So it's just one more injection of like, I'm going to make sure and do my, you know, my faction rally bounties this week. That helps you hit your Ikora, uh, that helps you hit your Ikora one. And then, uh, whenever, whenever faction rally, like the week rolls around, then you have that reason to go for the gun that they're doing during that week. Let's say they do two guns and during that week you can get all the armor pieces, okay? And having a full armor set helps you or whatever. After that week is over, the gun goes away. Again, random rolls falls on the game and adds some life here because you're trying that whole week to get the roll that you want. Let's say you don't get the roll that you want and you're ticked. You're like, frick, you know, the rally's over. So the factions are in the tower, but rally's still like a limited time event, okay? When week two rolls around, so next month, here comes Faction Rally with two new guns. Now, the two previous guns drop into the loot pool and are always farmable. Always. So you do your bounties, you raise your rank, you know, your, your pledge to them. Every time you're doing activities, you're leveling up your, your, your faction. Now you can continually grind for those first two guns. Why? Well, because the rallies, it's been a month. If people got it early, people got a good roll. You know, now they can, now they can kind of, uh, go for the next two and feel like, Hey, I had a month, you know, I had a month of, I had a month of an advantage of getting this early and now everybody can go for it. And then there's the two new guns, right? It's like, well, yeah, you can go over the two new guns and then there you have that urgency. You want to maintain the urgency. I think there's something special about that. Like it's only here for a week. 
I think that that adds like a special, you know, oh, do it now, don't miss out factor that I think is good for Destiny, but you don't want it to always feel that way. Like, you don't want factions to basically just not be in the tower uh, ever. I think that's a, I think that's a short-sighted treatment of the factions um, because I do think that they I do think that they add a value to the game. So you're kind of hitting you're kind of hitting both sides of the player base, right? The casuals that might not have time to play can eventually have that opportunity to chase all of the guns and all of the gear, and then the more hardcore players that really want to put in the time and grind for those god rolls, they have that week of faction rally to feel rewarded, to feel that sense of urgency, to feel that elation of yes, I got it done this week. Okay. That is how faction rally should show up. It's still showing up as an activity, but the factions are in the tower, and there's a persistent value that they add to the game that's presently not. If they do faction rally any other way than that, I'll be interested to see their their iteration on it, because I, I honestly think, like, that's the call for faction rally. It really hits, like, both ends of the spectrum, satisfies both levels of the player. I think both hardcore and more casual players could get behind what I'm saying, because... They both kind of get rewarded for their engagement level and their commitment, and they don't feel like the scales have tipped too far in one direction. Waffle Smuggler, is there a way to do voice chat with randoms in PvP or Gambit? Also, for someone who just picked up Destiny 2 again since release, I feel lost. What would you suggest I do? I would just pull up your, pull up your, each day, pull up your, your, what's it called? I'm blanking out on the director. Pull up your director and just look for these yellow dots, right? You got dailies and weekly milestones. Why are you running them? I would just play the content uh, that you enjoy. If you if you are playing more or less, then you can end up maybe pivoting the content that you don't enjoy as much. But the less you play, the more you should pivot to content to you, that you enjoy. So if you don't enjoy Gambit, don't don't grind the milestones. Don't drag your face across the sandpaper like that. Like, ugh, you know, I'm just doing this for the milestone. It makes it doubly frustrating. It makes it doubly frustrating when you don't get a, a powerful engram that helps you. Poro uh, Sinai says, A raid NPC is needed and there needs to be tokens as well. I've been raiding for weeks with no uh, mass work chattering's bone. What if every NPC had a new had new curated weapons for 100 tokens? Um, off topic, but this needs to happen with Gambit. It's impossible to get the weapons that you want. Yeah, there's a lot of good ideas here that I think could be implemented that I think would be justifiable. Uh, Gambit tokens for every game and being able to potentially, you know, purchase the curated version of the trust or something would be pretty hot. You got to set that as you got to set that pretty high, though. You got to set that 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 token count pretty high. Um, because if if it's just a transaction of time to get the curated role, the curated role gets devalued pretty fast. Curated role is exciting when it drops because you're like, oh my gosh, I got the best possible version. Um, you know, maybe every so many ranks you can push the button and it spits out a gun and there's a high chance of the curated role or something. Um, the curated the curated trust is guaranteed after reset. You only have to reset one time and you get the curated trust. Is that true? I didn't know that. I, I I did not know that was it. What's the curated trust? What's it roll with? Because I, I really like that gun. I wouldn't mind having one. Again, EP shotgun staring me in the face like, why would you put me down? I'm God. But um, <laughs> that, would, that, that would be a fun gun. 
So, uh, next question. CR Gunners, are Ghost Fragments farmable? What's the fastest way to get them? Yeah, Ghost Fragments are farmable. You just, uh, you literally just do every, anything, anything and everything for, uh, Spider is a, oh, we got the seven branches. Nice. Anything and everything is farmable. Uh, I'm sorry. The Ghost Fragments are farmable from basically anything and everything that Spider does. Whether you do a public event, a patrol, open a chest from an HVT or whatever, uh, they're all they're um, they're all going to be dropping those ghost fragments. And then once you hit ten, spend them. Once you hit ten, spend them. Explain Genesis. Genesis is not a bad perk on a scout, honestly. Uh, breaking a combatant shield with this weapon fills its magazines from reserves. Energy weapons regenerate ammo on hit when matching the damage type of the combatant shield. So Genesis has two nice functions as a distance shield break. Next question from Ed Rambunctious. Lono, what changes would it take for you to enjoy PvP in Destiny 2? Reason I ask is I would like to enjoy it, but I don't. Here's the thing. Like, there's a ground level bias for me that's going to make PvP really, really hard. Uh, really, really hard for Destiny's PvP to ever land on me. I have a ground level bias. I just don't enjoy PvP games that much. They don't really get me excited. I get tilted pretty easily. I got burned out on Call of Duty. I played it for 10 years and I'm just prone to frustration in those environments because I feel like the enjoyment level is quickly diminished by either cheesy stuff or, you know, losing a lot. And these are all things that are just natural to the Destiny PvP experience. You're going to lose, right? It's PvP. There's obviously going to be times where you lose. And I think that'd be more stomachable if it was... Like... Okay, I'll give you an example. Whenever skill-based matchmaking was like clearly and undeniably off, I played 16 games the one day. And I won... I won like... 11 and lost like 5 or something like that. I won more than I lost. Not surprising when skill-based matchmaking off. An average player that barely touches PvP does pretty well. At that point, we checked my numbers. I had only I had only played like a total, a grand total of like 32 PvP matches. I had barely touched PvP. I had a pretty good time. Now, when I was losing, it wasn't that frustrating because there was a dynamic experience going on. I've talked about this before in my, in my, whenever I get this question about skill-based matchmaking, why is it so bad? And, you know, when we were kind of debating it. When you play against a team and everyone's sort of close to your hemisphere of skill, every gunfight is a you die or they die, you die or they die. A lot of trading, a lot of, you know, and a lot of close games. What's the matter with close games? You just want to pound noobs? No. When you play a match against a team and there's players on the team that are at your skill, above your skill, and below your skill, you have a lot of different experiences during that game. Sometimes you go up against a guy and you're like, I, you know the guy is just a shredder and a slayer. You know he's going to be tough. He's been putting you down with his ace of spades or whatever. When that happens, and you maybe you maybe you periodically put him down and you win the fight, that's pretty satisfying, right? But then there's also people at your level, so you have those close gunfights that you win. You're like, yeah, man, that guy almost killed me. And then maybe you go up against some of the potato players on the other team and you get like a crispy little double and you kind of laugh at them because they're kind of confused and you're like, that wasn't too bad. The reason that dynamic experience is more stomachable, even if I'm losing, is because 
I'm not stuck in this predictable, boring, bland, one shade of color rut where every fight feels like I'm either going to die or they're going to die because they just keep putting me against people that are basically at my skill level. Beating somebody that you know is better than you and crushing a couple noobs and going up against people that are at your skill level all in the same game adds some spice and some variety and listen, what about the potatoes? We Don't we have to protect them? No, because the potatoes are in there and they're going to periodically face people that are at their skill level and get kills. They're going to periodically face me and probably lose, but sometimes maybe they kill me. Maybe they catch me off guard. Maybe they pop their super and be like, yeah, that guy was being, you know, that guy was being a such and such and I got him, right? And then they go up against the god tier player on the other team and they probably aren't going to get too many kills going up against that guy. But if they do, that's pretty satisfying for them, right? Like, it's not that satisfying to to just sequester them into a potato farm and they're all just playing against each other. That diversity in in experience kept me from feeling like there was just this bland, predictable, boring experience. So, listen, there were days where skill-based matchmaking was clearly on and I would win and I wasn't enjoying myself. When skill-based matchmaking was off and I lost... It was still a more enjoyable experience than wins with it on. Does that make sense? Wow, we won by two whole points. It was a nail-biter down to the end. I basically traded kills the whole time with an entire team of people with my KD efficiency averages. So it's basically a big pile of people at the same skill level. Well, winning in that environment is freaking boring and frustrating. It's not that exciting. So I can literally win in that environment and be irritated and I can lose in the other environment and have more fun. I mean, because when you leave a game and you're like, yeah, I got a couple pretty good montages, a couple good clips, I, I, a couple uh, couple doubles and triples and I finally beat that guy that was frustrating me. That's a satisfaction and a skill expression that you can kind of walk away from instead of, yep, 100 to 98, another close game where I traded kills with people the whole time and you look at the scoreboard at the end and everybody's got like a 1 to a 2 efficiency. I, I don't know. That to me is where I fall off the horse. I'm like, this is just not fun. Now, again... As I said on the outset, there's a huge bias working against me enjoying Destiny's PvP, and that's, it's not the style of PvP that I'm accustomed to. I grew up on Quake 2, Unreal Tournament, Call of Duty, fast, quick kill times, a lot of my habits from reloads to overcommitting to fights, all those things are working against me being a very good PvP player in Destiny. I just have a lot of really, really bad habits that aren't easily, you know, shaken and done away with and people are like well you could really really work hard and get better like people watch me play sometimes and like why don't you play you're actually not that bad you could easily get better i did that in d1 and i just the satisfaction and the fun factor is never high enough for me to warrant spending a large amount of time in it it just isn't my cup of tea and so i end up just eventually just getting annoyed or bored or you know whatever and then I just kind of put the thing down. I'm like, eh, let's just stop. With D1, it was especially frustrating because I, I did get significantly better when it was having noticeably higher KD. And then the fusion grenade icebreaker meta descended on the game and it became terrible. Uh, and my melting point did. Sorry about that. I, like, is right past him. So that's a big, big, super long answer as to why I'll probably never be a big PvP player in honestly any game. It's not the style of person that I am. It's not the style of content that I create. Uh, Grizzly Bear 
Grizzly Bear says, Are you liking Festival of the Lost? If so, do you think they could make any changes? I did a whole talk on this, and I touched on this already. I think if they added loot to the actual Festival of Lost inside of it with random rolls, that would be more exciting than just grind, 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 grind for tokens. We're kind of in a... We're kind of in an environment that is year one D2 in its format. It's year one D2 in its format, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that just means that there's vacancies in it that need to be filled. D1 was just like a vacancy pile. It was like, why doesn't this content have more to it? Why doesn't this content... You know, have more meaning behind it, and we're we're Lo- Festival of the Lost is is in a better place than any than any sort of piece of content like this before, but it certainly could could be better. And I already kind of outlined: put loot in here and have it drop random roll, and then you can have it rotate each week like Escalation Protocol. Space Spiff Man, if Bungie comes to you and asks you to design a perk, what would it be? Okay, so. I think a PvE perk that would reward sustained damage on auto rifles would be pretty dope. So it would be like, it would kind of be like a rampage perk that if utilized properly, you could, you could could trigger it off the first kill. And then once it's triggered off the first kill, your next clip has sustained damage on it, which means every bullet gets a damage buff as long as you don't miss. And obviously, then you could take the risk of going for headshots and really lay into something. And by the la- you know, by the bottom half of the clip, you're literally just cutting things into butter. I think a sustained damage perk for both SMGs and uh, and auto rifles could be really, really cool because you're rewarding skill and efficiency with damage instead of just being like, uh, yeah, here is here's rampage because you killed a couple of things, you know. It was kind of like, it's kind of like the difference between, uh, Outlaw and what was the generic reload after a kill in D1? What was it called? Like, Feast or, uh, a Hunger or something. Dang it, I can't remember the name of the clip. Okay, so, Outlaw is better, right? You hit the, you hit the crit and it's faster. It was faster than the generic one. So, if Rampage and Kill Clip are more generic, you get the kill, you get the damage buff. I think, I think that's kind of the spectrum you want to look at and say, Feeding Frenzy, thank you. Uh, that, yeah, that perk was slower than Outlaw, and that's appropriate, right? It's more generic. So you could put more, more perks on guns like SMGs and auto rifles that really rewarded, uh, sustained damage. So you felt like if you have good aim, an auto rifle is suddenly worth using over because right now like hand cannons and pulse rifles are just so dadgum strong it's hard to justify using an auto rifle uh, or an smg all right now there's other perks i think you could do again you want to make things viable um you could add a perk to hand cannons that was like kill clip but instead was called like um i think we called it gambler so you could get a kill and then you could get the rest of the clip gets increased damage. And then if you don't want to do that, you could choose to reload and then gambler would proc and you could get, and then you would get a random damage buff that can be higher or lower. That is on the entire, that is on the entire clip. Now, again, you gotta be careful. People are like, well, PVP, PVP. Oh my gosh. 
you don't want to break PvP, but I think that'd be really, really cool. Because, like, you could get the kill. You get this quick kill on this drag, right? You crack off a headshot. And then you reload, and you get a damage buff that's, like, random. It's, that's why it's called Gambler. And it would put it on your screen. You'd be like, Gambler times. And you would know that, like, a times one, two, three, or four was, you know, 10, 20, 30, or 40%. And if you don't reload, you automatically get 20%. But you could reload and get a 30 or a 40, or you could get 10. You're like, oh, do I reload? Do I not? Like, you know, what's, what's it worth to you? Um, that could be a pretty cool perk, too, on both scouts and hand cannons to kind of, again, you're rewarding skill. You got a crit kill, and if you're, if you're smart about how you handle your reload and how you handle your magazine, you could get some really, really good damage efficiency out of your primary weapon that presently, presently really isn't, isn't possible with kill clip and kill clip and rampage are pretty simplistic. So those are some ideas I think you could easily see implemented uh, on some of the more non, non-lethal primaries, just because rewarding auto rifles, scouts, uh, you know, you could do the same thing to pulses. Any gun that you reward precision with potential really, really high damage ceilings, I think would be really, really good for the game. And obviously, something to compete with Escalation Protocol shotguns is a good idea. I think we need energy SMGs in the game that get a huge damage buff but have way less ammo. Uh, and fusion rifles should get... I mean, fusion rifles should should get, like, their damage ridiculously increased because they're so, so underutilized and so weak. Merciless would, ben- would benefit greatly from that. You know, presently, Merciless is just not true to its name at all. It's, you know, sad little puppy. And I think that's unfortunate. And I think fused rifles are way too cool to just kind of sit on. They, I just feel like they sit on the shelf of 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 irrelevancy and low damage, and and they just feel useless. Now there's some linear fusions worth using, right? There's crooked fang can roll really really nice. It can roll with box breathing. I had a god roll that I'm I'm still obviously on the hunt for. I had a god roll snapshot uh, accelerated coils roll that was. I mean, it was amazing. I would put down exotics for that because it was just so, it was so strong. It would free me up to feeling like I don't have to run sleeper as how strong it was. Uh, it was, it was good enough. It was good enough if used properly. The 909 virus. I was hoping Festival of Lost would have some cheesy questing content like the Lost Broom Quest. Festival of Lost is great right now. Just wished there was something like humorous fan service. You think we'll have more of it in the future, like the Black Armory having a shrine for Edge Transit? I mean, I don't really know. I don't care about about chintzy stuff like that. I don't know how many Bungie employees it takes to do funny little things like that, but that's not really what I want anybody focusing on. I want better perks. I want better loot. I want diverse loadouts. I want loot to chase. I want endgame grind. Little silly jokes and stuff are just not high on my on my priority list and hopefully they're not high on Bungie's list because they don't do much for long you know long term Texas Sheet 8 I miss Zer being excited I think Zer should be a source for Masterwork cores, mod components to the right place thoughts no you don't really need to do that to Zer that's not really appropriate for what he's typically done in the game I mean I that that's opinion right I mean I just I don't think he has a history where it makes sense to put you know, masterwork cores and mod components. I, I think the gunsmith needs to have bounties for stuff like that. I think that makes more sense. Zur is exciting if you're looking for any year one exotics that don't have primary ammo finder on it. Like, 
he may carry a really great role of Orpheus Riggs one week. And if that's the case, that's a great, great reason, you know, for you to check Zuri. Year one exotics with roles that aren't, you know, Garbo. Um, now, I've said before, it'd be really, really cool to see him implement some type of quest line for exotics that takes almost a month. So what you would do is you would say, okay, you got the initial, the initial thing is a bounty. It's an exotic bounty. And when you get the exotic bounty, it gives you the frame of the gun, right? And the frame of the gun enables you next week to get the exotic quest. And the exotic quest is a little more lengthy and it takes you a little bit more time. And then the quest rewards you with the exotic weapon or or, or chess piece. Then, then when you do that, you have the very, very last piece of his quest. And these should be costly, right? These should be costly. Um, he sells the mystery, the exotic mystery. And that takes you a little bit longer. Obviously, Reddit may figure it out. But the mystery is how you get the catalyst for that exotic. So that would take you, you know, a month to do. If you're if you're diligent each week to have the currency that he requires you to have or whatever, and then you buy the things from him, and then, you know, you work on the quest or whatever. I think that'd be a great way to make him not just exciting, but like a source a source for other things because currently he's just a source for exotics and unless you're really on the hunt for like a god roll Orpheus rig or a god roll like Ophidius Faith it's hard to care it's it's really hard to care about Xur so he's just kind of like a weird you know he's good for veteran he's good for non-veteran players to maybe get exotics that they don't quite have yet um so but I think Masterwork cores and uh, and mod components would just... I just think they would make way more sense being in the uh, in the gunsmith. No. It wouldn't matter either way. I mean, it doesn't really matter who holds them. But I just think Xur is only there once a week. And I think mod components and Masterwork cores, if we're going to make them more achievable through an NPC, it should be an NPC that's just around all the time. Uh, personally and that mainly just comes from the idea that like that goes back to my masterwork core discussion infusion as a as a as a as an action is more rhythmic and regular and it's just about player volition so requiring masterwork cores isn't slowing people down and creating value it's literally just hurting player volition it's just hurting player volition. So you're like, oh no, you can't use that. You got to use this instead. So people are using sidearms and edge transits instead of the cool gun that they found because you want, you know, infusion to be painful. You're not slowing anybody down. You're not. You're not creating longevity. They're leveling just as fast. They just have to use gear they don't like, which I don't think there's a reason to strain player volition and player choice with respect to loot and gear they equip in a loot-based game. Uh, slowing down progress for mastery makes logical sense in an RPG. It doesn't make logical sense to be like, hey, you're strong enough to use this gear, but uh, you need this really, really hard to find and hard to earn currency to level it up. Uh, so yeah, enjoy not being able to use that gun or that armor piece for a really long time. Um, I don't think we net benefit anything by slowing down player volition to that degree. And that again is because the currencies shouldn't be attached to each other. Um, because they're different, they're completely different actions, uh, thematically. 
the tying them to the same currency is just creating an identity crisis. I believe masterwork cores are going to be so easy, you know, easy to obtain. You're going to make mastery easier than it was originally designed or intended. Uh, Yank says, I know there is the shattered throne that you can do solo and it's a mini raid. Have um, have your normal fire team type raid, but also do a raid where you can solo it. Make it just as involved and difficult. More solo players. People like me uh, have the time, but even with LFGs, it's hard to get together. Well, the Shattered Throne is there for you. You have what you're asking for. I don't think they need to iterate on current raids. I don't think they need to iterate on current raids and uh, and 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 say, oh, we need to make solo versions of current raids. I don't think that's worth... I don't think that's worth it. I don't think that's worth in development time um, at all. Uh, I think that there is uh, there's a lot more that could be done with their time. And so we need about 200 more of these things. And all we have to do is work on her bounties after that. Anakin Starkiller, 20 months in a row. Welcome back to the Rages. Nema 2017, what is the light level advantage when I'm 580 but die easy uh, to a red bar enemy? If you die easy to a red bar enemy, you're a bad player. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. If you're 580 and you're going into any of the content, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you're 580 and you're dying to a red bar easily, then you're bad. There's no context in this game where a red bar should be killing you easily. Now, if you're coming into places like here, like the Haunted Forest, and you're getting to, like, level 7 or 8, yes, red bar enemies will kill you then, but that's because of a delta scale of damage. They're doing more damage and you're doing less, so they're harder to kill and you're easier to die. You're easier to kill. They're harder to kill. You're easier to kill. Okay. Now, if you're going into a Nightfall and you're heavily power, power handicapping yourself and trying to go for a high score sure yeah red bars are going to kill you easily then but that again is because there's a massive delta scale if you're dying easy to red bars number one i don't know where it's happening and number two what are like what on earth are you doing their kill time is so unbelievably slow i mean just stand in front of a group of thrall i i I do lost sector sometimes and literally stand in front of a group of thrall and like let them kill me and it takes a while sometimes. Their 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 damage output is just not that fast. Like they're not the description of like they're killing you easily is just is a strange uh, is a strange claim uh, to make. Blackout can kill you pretty quick. Again, yeah, if it's a modifier that's killing you, right? If you're going into a nightfall and blackouts on and arc singe is on and you're getting slapped by thralls, you're getting hit by two modifiers. A thrall slap is arc and blackouts on. So you're getting hit. You're getting you're getting hit by two. Again, you're dying to modifiers there, though. You're not dying to a red bar. You're dying to modifiers. Going to a strike or a lost sector or even the early stages of the haunted forest, and you let some thralls slap you. You can stand there for a, a while. Johnny always should the raid NPC have an economy for rerolling gear. Thinking more about armor rather than weapons. Um. I would actually think that is a solution that I don't want, and I'll tell you why. I'm not against it, but I want them to go further. Raid armor is stupid. There's no point in wearing it. It has no intrinsic value. Wearing an entire raid set has no intrinsic value. Now, maybe... (coughs) Excuse me. 
maybe there are triumphs, you know? Complete the raid with an entire set or something. Maybe there are some triumphs that I'm 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 missing out on or something, but in general, I'm like raid armor needs a lot more done to it than the ability to, to re-roll it with uh, with the raid NPC. I think we need a whole lot more than that. And so that's why I'm, I'm, I don't want your solution. Because I feel like if they give me your solution, then they're going to be like, Hey, see, we made raid armor. We made raid armor not as not as stupid. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still pretty stupid. Where And here and here again is where maybe the uh, maybe the annual pass content's going to do something. What if the first raid layer introduces raid mods like we got in Leviathan? That could be, that could be a value and a quality injection that they're just holding out on, you know. Uh, Death Starfish, morning Lono, love these talks. With the talk about the raid NPC, it makes me miss the faction NPCs even more. I love repping Future Warhold in D1. Do you think they should put them back in the tower? Yeah, I already touched on this. So you, you whoever asked this, if you were here earlier, I described how faction rally should work. And one of my contentions is, is, is that the faction should be in the tower all of the time. And then faction rallies like, uh, did I not get shoulder shards? Faction rally is like a unique opportunity to go for gear. And then that gear slowly trickles down into the general loot pool. So you have the urgency, you have the event. Um, you have the urgency and you have the event, but you also have the, the presence of the faction in the tower. Uh, Detective Dablet, why is there no prestige hard mode for the ra- I am so stinking sorry. I looked up and just hit X. I am super freaking sorry, Secret Ghost. Um, the reason they didn't do a hard mode for the raid is they decided they wanted to create a raid that was a, like a self-contained challenge. It has the Delta scaling. It has the... Um, it had the Delta scaling at launch because really all they could have done, I think they stretched us about as far as you could with... Um, it stretches about as far as you could with mechanics and then if you added prestige all it really would have done is just been one more delta scale it had been one more environment it would have been one more situation where you basically say um, you know here's here is uh, here's, a, here's a delta scale here's a damage threshold that's now going to be really really punishing and frustrating and then that's it Right? I don't think that would have made the I don't think that would have made the content good. I think that would have made the content duke. Um So I, I I'm hoping I'm hoping that they continue to take this thought process. Because I just at a ground level at a ground level think that Delta scaling and prestige content is boring. I, the, the the structure for King's Fall will always be the best structure. They designed hard, they scaled back for normal, and then you had two versions of the raid. And the problem that you have, the problem that you have right now is you, they, they, that philosophy is just gone. So it's like, well, to make it harder, we gotta make you weaker. To make it harder, we gotta make you weaker. I just think that's such a boring philosophy of challenge. Hey, you got all the great gear and your high power level. Come play content where you're a piece of tissue paper. That just doesn't ever feel like the culmination of my hard work. That feels cheesy and cheap. So, 
Spizzle Prime, do you think that we needed Haunted Forest exclusive item drops along with Horror Story being Pinnacle Weapon to grind for? Yeah, yeah, I've already touched on that. Drops within the forest would have been great. Ed Rambunctious, uh, PvE uh, has no impact on your gaming experience. Why would you lock Pinnacle Gear behind social events like Strikes, Nightfall, and Raid? Uh, PvE has no impact on your gaming experience is an incorrect statement and is false. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what you actually mean by that. Now, maybe you mean PVE gear. I don't. I honestly don't. That that opening, the opening to this question, is literally a nonsensical statement. Um, PVE and PVE gear does have an impact on my experience. There's a gigantic difference between running God Roll gear or Pinnacle gear and running non-Pinnacle gear. Um, so I don't know what happened when you typed this question, but somewhere along the line, like the train left the station. I don't know. Ed, I love you, but I don't understand what in the actual frick you're saying. The reason you lock pinnacle gear behind content is because that's the kind of game that destiny is. Do you want raid gear? Run the raid. Do you want nightfall specific gear? Run the nightfall. That's literally what this is. Do you want really cool gear in Diablo? Go run the rifts. Go do this. Go do that. Like, do you want to? Do you want to get better gear in Borderlands? Play the dadgum game. Go to the new areas and kill all the things. Like, that's literally what RPGs and loot pursuit games are. Like, that's what they are. Go to X. Do X. Get X. Like that. That's that's what that's what these types of games do. I mean, it's not locked behind the content. It's that's where you go to get the gear. It's that's how it always has been. Um, so, I don't know what version of Destiny you're playing, but since its inception, that's been what the kind of game that it is, just like any other Loot Pursuit, uh, RPG. Uh, you think Bungie should create more highly challenging solo content like Shattered Throne? Uh, no. I, I think Shattered Throne is adequate. I think Shattered Throne is adequate. I don't think you need to create more, uh, because... Now, they could do it more regularly, sure, but I'm not going to sit here and bang a drum and say, man, you got to create more solo content. This really isn't at its core a solo game. When you look at Destiny, right, and you got Strikes that are three-man, Nightfall that are three-man, PvP that has teams, uh, you've got PvP that has objectives that go better with teams, you've got the Raid... Uh, you've got Gambit that has a team that goes better with an organized team. The game is just dripping with you play with other people. Like, that's what that's the kind of game that it is. So asking for a focus on solo players would be a detriment to the game, in my opinion, because of its identity. It's not a solo game. It's not a solo player game. This isn't Tomb Raider. Uh, this isn't This isn't like an action-adventure solo game is a multiplayer cooperative game that is got its best content most of the time it's most it's most elaborate content right you might not say best right it's like that's that's subjective what's the best content well that's subjective but you could argue that it's most elaborate most sort of complex content is usually built for people that play together not people that play by themselves now, Shattered Throne offers you a reason to run it solo, but if we're honest, Shattered Throne is not solo content. Even your example of of 
solo content. It's Shattered Throne is not solo content. Shattered Throne is a piece of content that rewards you with running it solo. Now, to your credit, and maybe to give you a little bit more to do if you're a solo player, what if they did something in Nightfalls, right? Hey, if you put on Extinguish and you run a Nightfall by yourself, um, we're gonna we're gonna dramatically increase the drop rate of the unique loot. We're gonna dramatically increase your score or whatever the frick you're doing, right? That's something that they don't have to do. They don't have to create content to do that. Nightfalls exist, uh, and are and are. You, I, I'm fairly certain you can. Yeah, you can solo them because I was doing that one during uh, during Solstice Fears. So. Nightfalls exists as a, as a soloable encounter, and given that it's a soloable encounter, you could you could 100% say, yeah, if you run it solo, here's all these benefits and triumphs and reasons why you might want to run a Nightfall solo. So you could, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with Bungie doing that, combing over existing content and being like, hey, if you run this solo, we're going to do X, Y, and Z for you. Um... Or give you X, Y, and Z, or or incentivize, etc. And and then you're like, you're not creating solo content at that point. You're creating solo uh, incentivization paths. You're creating solo incentivization paths, and so then you're like, well, I have a reason to run this solo. Synergize. Do you think we should be able to farm Nightfall loot by selecting the strike? As you could in D1, or is the current way of having the strike being the current nightfall a better option? I think they I had this question yesterday, and I think they've met you in the middle. I think they have met you in the middle. You get three nightfalls a week, so the waiting time for a nightfall to rotate back in is lower. Now I don't know if they should have them repeating, unless you want to argue that it's okay to have Forsaken ones repeat, because Warden of Nothing repeated. And that gives you a two weeks in a row for Warden's Law. That means something is getting bumped and not rotating as often. I mean, that's that's just basic math, right? So Warden Warden of Nothing bumped something. And so I think they're meeting you in the middle. I think three per week is a good is a good compromise. And I really really think, as I said with how I phrased and and, and packaged Faction Rally. Having that urgency like you have with Escalation Protocol or bringing that urgency to the, the, the Haunted Forest by being like, well, this week you can grind for that or that, you know, next week is going to be this. I think that urgency is fun. It's like, that's something for you to go for, right? That means your priorities rotate. Your priorities rotate. You're like, well, this week, none of the Nightfall rewards interest me. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go for that. Now, there are some guns that you can grind for whenever you want. A Dustrock Blues, Ether Doctor, etc. There's a guide if you guys want to use the LS Farm command in chat for Lost Sector Farm. LS Farm basically spells out all the different Tangled Shore-like red items that can be farmed for in the, in the Lost Sectors. You can farm for those whenever the frick you want. That's not limited to, that's not limited to a particular week right but again i do think there's value in having that like because think about it like think about what destiny is Destiny's a hobbyist game how do you get people coming back each week if you don't have things that kind of rotate in their importance and in their availability that's like part and parcel to the experience of destiny where you're like each week i'm kind of looking for you know where i want to set my sights and that's a value point 
that wouldn't be there if you could just kind of get everything whenever you wanted with just enough time and energy. Time and energy is all that's needed. That just becomes a linear transaction of time. That takes away elation and, and excitement, I think. Strictly Cannabis. Do you think Bungie should rework the exotic Ingram drop RNG mechanics? They are. That's happening on the 30th. In Flames. What sort of buffs would you like to see with exotic energy and kinetic weapons to make them more viable in PvE content? There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential for weapon and armor synergy, maybe. Uh, so you could have a, a merciless a merciless companion piece of exotic armor, maybe a, a merciless companion gun. Um, like, I don't know. Or maybe maybe a mod that could be farmed for, and you put that mod on your gauntlets, and it makes the merciless a completely different style weapon. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said for making exotic weapons shine a lot more, but you just have to be really, really careful. Like, and and, th- and this is where and this is where you're always going to have the trouble of an exotic an exotic energy weapon. Should it be better than exotic power within the power hierarchy? Within the power hierarchy, when you look at an exotic energy weapon, can you make an argument for why that should be better than an exotic power weapon? An exotic power weapon should be doling out the most damage. Uh, it should be. And if it's doling out the most damage, and you suddenly come in and say, well, no, this exotic energy can outdo it. Why? Right? So I think there's, al- there's just always going to be a dilemma. When you look at the structure of the guns, and a power weapon's always going to be just this huge, hitting, uh, tons of damage item. And then when you make it exotic, it's going to do even more. And energy weapons are supposed to be in the mid-tier, and if they excel at being mid-tier, uh, if they excel at being mid-tier, then they're not, they're, they're like, they're not going to outpace an exotic heavy, which means you're never really going to feel motivated to take off your, your exotic heavy, which means there's an extent to which they're stuck. And I don't know if the synergy is the way to do it. So then you could argue, well, it's okay that this exotic energy weapon is now outdoing an exotic power because you really have to restrict your loadout. Like I have to take off my my uh, my third eye helmet and I have to put on this exotic you know gaunt these exotic gauntlets. And when I put on these exotic gauntlets, like it limits my loadout. But uh, there, there's a benefit, right? It makes the merciless merciless again. Not all content is about damage output. If you don't, that like that statement doesn't land on Destiny and is not true. I mean, that's not true at all. The entire game is centered around damage output. Lost Sector, Public Event, um, Strikes, Nightfalls, Raids, Gambit, the Haunted Forest is all about damage. 100% this game, top to bottom, is about can you put out more damage depending on... Uh, your build it's all about damage from the top to the bottom how quickly can you dispatch of the trash ads because if you can't get dispatch of them quickly they're going to swarm you and they're going to kill you how quickly can you dispatch of a major because a major is going to pose a significant problem to your ability to move to the next area how quickly can you dispatch of a boss from the top to the bottom this entire game is about damage output 
Some of it's about ad clearing and survivability. Yeah, and ad clearing and survivability is literally all about damage output. The better your damage output, the better your survivability. Why? You can kill stuff bit quicker. The, the ad clearing is better when you're when you're using weapons that are really really strong, right? Nobody's ever going to make the argument that this gun is so much better. This gun is so much better at ad clearing. It justifies murdering your your damage output. Right? Well, we're going to kill the boss a whole lot slower, but, you know, Charlie over here wants to run his Ace of Spades because the Firefly and the, the, the Memento really helps with ad clearing. It doesn't help with ad clearing in a, in a big enough and tangible enough way to warrant, like, taking off Sleeper in the raid. Right? Oh, we're going to run the raid, man. Let's go. And you're doing less damage than everybody, and you're, and you're, and you're less damage efficient because you want to put on an exotic heavy. Or, I'm sorry, an exotic primary. That is what the game is to you. Others are different. No, it's not a matter of preference. It's not a matter of opinion. The game is designed. The design of the game is you go into a strike, a lost sector, a nightfall, or a raid, and your efficiency is always tied to damage output. Always. That's a mathematical fact. Your opinion and preference don't matter. That's a fact. Now, you may not prioritize it, as much as me and you may be like I don't really care as much as Lono so I'm happy to put on Ace of Spades instead of Sleeper because I like it more and I have more fun that's fine that's your preference but whenever you look at the game and you look at a hobbyist incentivization idea of like I'm gonna go for god rolls I'm gonna go for the best pinnacle gear that incentivization breaks down when you're like all of these exotics just don't really matter because I put them on and feel weak. If I put on a Malfeasance, if I put on an Ace of Spades, if I put on a Merciless, I feel weaker. That just doesn't land on a hobbyist endgame hardcore player sentimentality. Now, you might not care. You might be like, I don't care. I think it's fun to run this. Totally fine. That's totally fine. But you have to admit what you're doing. You're throwing away power and efficiency because you think it's just really fun to run Merciless. That's fine. But again, this question is saying, what sort of buffs would you like to see to exotic energy kinetic weapons to make them more viable in PvE content? And I'm telling you, there's not much you can do. The question centered around viability, not fun. Like, I don't care what gun you think is the most fun. You may think Malfeasance is the best gun in the game. You think it's so dope to run and you love the way that it looks and... You love the way that it sounds. doesn't matter. This question's not about what Charlie thinks is the best and most fun weapon or what Susan really likes to run when she runs strikes. This question is, how do you make exotic weapons more viable in PvE? And I don't know if you can. Because if you make them too viable, it upsets power hierarchy, and then you have these weird situations where power weapons are suddenly like, wait a minute, wait, this power weapon's now weaker than this exotic over here? Why is, so sleepers weaker than merciless? What? What? I think that's just the general problem is you have a, you have a spectrum of, 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 of guns and you have a spectrum of enemies. So when you're moving through a strike and you're killing ads and majors, trash ads and majors, are you ever, ever feeling like, oh my gosh, ad clearing is so incredibly difficult, I really need to use this exotic weapon? I don't think so. 
Arguing from fun is not what we're talking about. I'm talking about going into a strike or a nightfall and being like, dude, I have got to put on Ace of Spades because this, this, this ad clearing is just not happening. We're just having such a hard time. Okay. That doesn't happen. So on the, on the spectrum of viability, that's not an equation. But when you go to kill a boss, the difference between you killing a boss with Escalation Protocol Shotgun and Sleeper and me killing a boss with, like, Malfeasance equipped or Ace of Spades equipped or Merciless, and then I'm using, like, a Crooked Fang, the difference is noticeable. You're more likely to wipe. Some of the bosses have phases that you can skip if you really, really bake and you really, really, you know, ratchet up uh, your damage output. I mean... So the question's about viability, and when it comes to viability, I just don't think you're ever going to have people moving through trash ads and majors and they're saying, I'm going to put down my ability to crush a boss into ribbons with Sleeper and 1K Voices or whatever, um, and I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to deviate from that because you got to come up with a way to motivate that, right? I mean, are there things they could do with the ads and the mobs in the game? Maybe. Maybe the conversation changes dramatically and PvP is out of the equation. Well, yeah, because when you play PvP and you get 20 kills, um, probably 15 of those kills are from your primary or your energy. So that's when you're like, well, the meat and potatoes of PvP is primary and energy fighting. So that's when you start thinking differently about PvP, right? And and that and that is when and that is when the player starts to feel like okay some of these exotics are worthwhile. But the question again was about how to make exotic exotic weapons you know more viable. Because Eugene is again doing what he's been doing in so many of these discussions, and he's going to an incredibly small, incredibly small and narrow example. Right? I put on uh, Telesto when I solo the forest because it's better to add clear. Yeah, but that's not making, that doesn't make, you're not, you're not as a design standpoint saying, we just made this exotic weapon more viable in PvE. It's super, super narrow and niche, and some of that's just preference and opinion, too. You, I don't know if you can even argue that from math. Like, that's just your preference. You feel like, yeah, Telesto is better in this environment when I'm by myself. That again, again, you're leaving, you're leaving the discussion and, and just injecting preference and saying, well, I do this, therefore exotic, exotic energy weapons are, are viable in PVE. They're not very viable at all right now. They just aren't. And there aren't really any viable exotic, exotic kinetics. And again, I don't know if there's a solution here. It's situational. No, false. It's not situational. 90% of PVE content is, is built for trash ads that are easily dealt with a legendary hand cannon any shotgun will do honestly you don't even need to run eps for majors you don't need to and then you get to the boss and you got your exotic heavy that's like 90 percent of the content it's not situational the question is what sort of buffs would you like to see exotic energy and kinetic weapons to make them more viable in pve content 90 percent of pve content those weapons aren't that viable. When you come up with incredibly niche, narrow examples, you are conceding my point. Passively conceding my point. Yeah, but you're right, Lono. Most of the time, I don't do this. Only in this really, really rare and small example do I equip this this energy this energy exotic. That's not making it more viable in PVE. It's just that that you're you're leaving the discussion and having another one. 
nine months from like five five one ninjas. Thank you so much. Hope you're feeling well. Thank you very much. I hope you're feeling better too. Thank you for the stream, baby. Cat4565, do you think Bungie should look at activities like Escalation Protocol that are not seeing a lot of action and move them to matchmaking? Escalation Protocol Shotgun needed matchmaking since it started. I, it, I, I've i said it many, many times. Blindwell, same story. Blindwell, same story. Stop being romantic about what people are going to do in the public space and empower people to play content together. You know? I, you know, I want to go run, bl- run Blindwell right now, and I went into the instance, and there's one person here. I got three hours to play on a Friday night, and I'm sitting here driving my sparrow back and forth, hoping people get into my instance. That's not content. That's the absence of content. Uh, since Archon's Forge, this has been this has been, in my opinion, since Archon's Forge, this has been a really stupid situation. Court of Oryx wasn't as bad. People were a little more likely. People were a little more likely to wander through Court of Oryx. But my goodness, like matchmaking and uh, matchmaking and uh, for Blindwell and Escalation Protocol Shotgun should uh, Escalation Protocol Shotgun Escalation Protocol should just be in the game just to empower people to play together. So LFG is not a solution. LFG is not a solution for the player base at large. Isn't. Telling people to leave the game and go use third-party software is a punt and a cop-out. Design content that empowers people to play together. Oh, sorry, guys. We didn't feel like doing matchmaking for Gambit, so uh, use LFG. All right, all right, all right. What in the actual frick why? Content that requires you to play with other people for success or increased chances of success, and we're not going to put matchmaking in it because, oh, there's LFG. No, that's a punt. Quit punting and offer the community solutions, please. Like, people want to play EP, people want to play blind well, let them instance in with people through matchmaking. Like, I don't know. EP's not as bad because you can, like, fast travel back and forth, and then suddenly there's people there. So... Uh, the Mad Dabber. What do you think about adding a perk for when you wear a full set of specific gear? Oh, I mean, we've been asking for that since frickin', I mean, we've been asking for that since dadgum, I think, D1 raids. Armor armor set perks has been a request in the community for a while, so I would frickin' love to see that. Love to see it. Um, would add some, I mean, I, I honestly am, there's a part of me that was really shocked and surprised they didn't do it for this raid. They, they like, they, they ramped up Leviathan armor quality by adding mods. Unfortunately, when they added the mods, they didn't make you grind for them. You just all of a sudden had them. That was kind of silly. But they added mods. And when they added mods, they brought that sense of like, oh, you know, you can play in a little bit of a different way, or you can do this thing and get this damage buff, and it's kind of cool. And so, running raid armor in the raid suddenly felt like it mattered again, like in D1 when you had Oracle Disruptor and other things like that on guns, uh, or like the Wrath of the Machine armor. You were more agile holding a cannon, you you, you had more resilience when you were holding uh, a SIVA charge. Things like that were really, really cool. And it made wearing that armor in the raid sensible, and we need more of that. And I think set perks would be a great uh, would be a great iteration on that idea. Just because currently there's no real reason to run the armor set from the raid. 
Last question from Mac 2099. Do the vendors in the Tangled Shore and the Dreaming City uh, need better exchange options for local materials? Should they offer armor and weapons rotating weekly like the other vendors? Oh, I thought he rezzed me and I went to hold X to res. Rip the freaking dream. One of the reasons I ask is that I have never, after grinding three characters, ever had a Duke hand cannon drop. Um, I don't know why you're honing in on the Duke, but I think what you're doing is, is maybe giving an example of how, like, I want to get Dustin so weapon, and there's not really a way for me to do that, and an NPC could be a way for me to do that. Um, so I could see them maybe saying, okay, Petra now has, like, rotating gear that she's selling. Personally... Personally, I'm glad there's not a lot of options for you to buy gear in the game. Um, and, and the reason for my thinking there is I just feel like this game always functions at its best when you're chasing loot drops, not buying loot. Just like why I'm pretty pretty much always opposed to reforging weapons. Now, reforging exotic armor with glass needles is entirely different because exotic armor is so ridiculously rare and the perks can really ruin them, uh, honestly. And that's that's just not a situation you want to be in where you're like, yeah, it's armored. Freaking worthless. I finally got it to drop and it's trash. Um, yeah, it's costly. That's not that big of a deal. That's not random rolls. That's not random rolls on, um, on a gun or a legendary armor set, you know, that can be grinded for. So I would love to see more options with that. I don't necessarily want to see... The NPCs selling gear. Um, I again think the potential with NPCs is untapped with respect to Petra should have a rank that you increase maybe for doing Dreaming Shore bounties and Dreaming Shore activities. Um, I said she should be the raid NPC, but she could also just be the NPC for the planet. And the more you, more you kind of grind up her rank, uh, maybe the cooler things that she has. Maybe there's Dreaming Dreaming City, maybe there's Dreaming City uh, element uh, emblems and shaders and ornaments. Maybe there's ornaments for the Dreaming City guns that can only be got, you know, from her. And you've got to make sure you're increasing her rank every week so you don't fall too far behind. Because when you hit rank 25, you can get like the first, you know, set of the, the ornaments for the Dreaming City guns. That's stuff that every NPC in the game could have because now you're like you have like a reason beyond just chasing gear and people are like well cosmetics don't really matter they kind of suck yeah I mean maybe you could do something where you hit a certain rank with her and there's a chance to get her maybe the tangled shore or I'm sorry in this case the dreaming city maybe the dreaming city uh, has curated you know curated drops on some guns and you're like yo I really want to go for that I keep freaking hitting X Oh my gosh, Rift the Dream. I really want the curated vouch safe, and that doesn't guarantee it, but it gives you it gives you a reason to always be raising your rank with her, because like maybe every ten ranks, uh, maybe every ten ranks you have a chance. And again, once you hit certain ranks, you get really really cool cosmetics, emblems, and ornaments, and that doesn't matter to everybody, but that's kind of like the triumphs and the titles. It matters to the more hardcore, it matters to the more hobbyist player, and it's there kind of drifting in the distance for those that maybe are more casual in their engagement, but they're like, oh man, look at that, look at that 
that ornament for the vouch safe and they have a vouch safe and they're like I really want to go after that and then that becomes a priority for them and each week they really really go and grind her her bounties and her activities or whatever and maybe then they, they're like oh I can really bump my rank with her by running the raid and they become more incentivized to run the raid than they were previously and then that's something that becomes a quality point for them that was previously uh, not a quality point so we're going to continue streaming. I'm going to do an outro for the podcast. If you're here right now, you can continue saying stuff in chat. We'll continue to go back and forth as I grind the Haunted Force. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, I appreciate you watching listening to all my content. Please like, share, and subscribe.